0: In and across Chicago and over the internet, you can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. For today's verse,
1: we'll be looking through Luke 9, 51 through 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Well, good morning. My name is Aaron James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm so glad you're here, and uh, God is indeed very proud of you. Will you pray with me? Before you bow your head, uh, sorry, I said that, and then I now I'm going to give you some instructions. Through the month of June, we've been using our opening prayer as a time of invoking our body in our prayer. Uh, This is one of my favorite ways of connecting with God. Maybe I'm a kinesthetic learner. Maybe I uh, just carry a lot of stress in my body. And so I use this spiritual practice as a way of releasing and opening myself up to God. And so I've been sharing that with you all. So join me. You can stay seated, but just take your hands. Kind of look at them. How do they feel this morning? Are they a little bit sweaty like mine? (laughs) You can keep your eyes open, fixed on your hands, or you can close your eyes and rest them. But take those fingers of yours and stretch them a little wider. Feel the webs between your fingers kind of itch and stretch. Feel your palms open, prepared to receive from God, but also prepared to give, to share. We pray, God, the world desperately needs to hear good news from you. Hope is fragile. Compassion is under threat. And you, God, call us to continue to be disciples following after you moment by moment. Because today we follow after you with vulnerability and earnestness prepared to share the good news that God you have created and are proud of what you have created, whom you have created. So give us thoughts to share, words to share, and actions to share that good news with others who so desperately need to hear the good news that we have found in Jesus. And now church, I invite you to take those same hands, place them over your heart, This is a posture of devotion. God, we belong to no one else. We are your people and you are our God. We are yours. We are yours. We are yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning um, is not on the church liturgical calendar, but it is on the UVC liturgical calendar as one of the best days of all church days, one of the highest of holiest days. Uh, Pride Sunday is a day where we shorten our service just a little bit so that we can worship the God who celebrates what God has created here. And then we can go out into the streets, sharing with our community that God is proud of whom God has created. So whether you're gonna join us uh, with your tank tops and your sunscreen to march in the pride parade, or you're gonna go to brunch after this, maybe wearing a tank top and sunscreen as well, or you're gonna go home and rest your weary head, no matter what you're doing after this, we still have a call after today to go and share the good news with our community as well. And so we will continue to be blessed by God's word this morning. So this is in Luke 9 just the beginning of Jesus's journey to Jerusalem. It takes up then the next 10 chapters of the gospel. So for the rest of the gospel, Jesus will make this long, slow march to his death, one that happens outside the gates of the city, one that happens for those who are displaced. He is determined, the text says it twice, sets his face towards this coming destruction, sets his face as a Hebraism that suggests fixedness, purposefulness. And so the beginning starts just as it ends with Jesus being rejected he enters this Samaritan village, and maybe you've heard some of the stories. There's a long history of conflicts between Jews and Samaritans in the region. This history might explain why Jesus and his disciples experienced some rejection in, of hospitality, when they cons- which is considered a major affront to turn away a weary traveler in ancient Near Eastern society, to not show mercy, when against large social customs, but also when against the commands of God. So I wonder why, if this is why John and James get so hyped up and a little bit aggressive. They're called the Rolling Sons of Thunder, which also, let's just adopt that as our nicknames, but those brothers who later wanted exclusive rights to the highest honors of the kingdom of God, they are righteously angered over this rejection. And so they echo maybe Elijah's command from 2 Kings to summon fire, calling for destruction for those who lack compassion and welcome. And Jesus, sensing their stormy attitudes, those great sons of thunder, he at least complicates their understanding of Samaritans. He'll follow up with another story later uh, about someone intervening and assisting the broken up and busted stranger on the road to Jericho. But before his teaching of morals and inclusion, Jesus launches into this narrative of triplets. You notice there were three people asking to join, to follow, to be a disciple of Jesus. This is a literary device of having one following the other, following the other. Three times people invite themselves. They ask to be a part of this traveling circus of Jesus followers, wonder wanderers. You would think Jesus would then be excited about these, this newfound interest. Churches are on the decline right now. If somebody walks in our doors and says, I wanna play in the band, we're like, yes, please, God. So you would think he would wanna nurture these religi- religious curious folks, want to celebrate them and give them courage as they address him. Volunteer for the Lord's army right here, sign up on the dotted line. But Jesus does. None of that. Actually, Jesus mostly throughout the whole gospel of Luke kind of sounds like a big jerk. <laughs> and I have to like dig through the gospel to figure out that it's not jerkiness. It's actually coming from somewhere deeper, but it's hard on the surface. Upon the first reading, he seems kind of angry at those tra- willing traveling followers who ask for some concession before going off in the group. And their concessions. The things they're asking for are not... Not, un, uh, not egregious, they're asking for rest, they're asking for time to grieve or a moment to say goodbye to dearly loved ones. Is that too much to ask? No, the cost of partnering your life after Jesus, of converting your desires to be Jesus's desires for the world, these are heavy-weighted tasks, he believes. And unfortunately, there is no time to waste. Apparently, every moment counts in the kingdom of God. So today, today is Pride Sunday. It's the day of each year when we leave our building in the air conditioning and the free-flowing coffee and we cram ourselves onto the CTA where I always forget you're not supposed to bring strollers. Today is the day we go and get sweaty and pass out as many high fives as possible and then I still always forget the hand sanitizer. Today is the day we march in the Pride Parade to celebrate LGBTQ plus Pride, not because it's fun, although it sure as heaven is a whole lot of fun. And not because we get something out of it, even though it feels really God-blessed gratifying to tell thousands of people that God loves them. No, we go and we march and we dance and we look at the people draped in transgender flags and bisexual flags and pansexual flags and we look them in the eye and we say, God is proud of you because there's no time to waste young and maybe we'll we'll call them slightly more mature queer people, Um, and then those who claim to be really great allies because they're still afraid to come out of the closet. All of these people are gathered in one space for one central amount of time. And as Christians, the mouthpieces of God, we are called to go out and tell them, our church history has gotten it wrong for a long amount of time. That dominant culture that Caitlin was talking about has been the loudest and most proclaiming and most annoying out there. And we are here to say that our God has regularly turned, was regularly turned away, knows what it's like to be rejected, misunderstood and considered culturally or socially sub, uh, subversive because Jesus was all of those things wrapped in a human divine body. And so we go out into the streets to follow our God who goes out into the streets. That's why it's important when we read this passage today, when Jesus tells the truth to his would-be followers, he's not speaking to the skeptics, those people who line along past the barricades on the sides of the street, Those who have been harmed on the sidelines of from a good world, a good word. No, when Jesus speaks the truth of the unavoidable alienation and the highest levels of commitment and the radical acceptance, when Jesus tries to scare these would be followers with brutal honesty, He's not speaking to the people who have already been harmed. He's speaking to you and me, to us who have found this place, who have found a home and salvation among our community. Those who are excited to run with our sons out, guns out, our crop top t-shirts, our big smiles prepared to share the good news of God to God's kind of people. Jesus is warning you and me, before you follow me out into the streets, you should know about getting into it because every moment of your life, every second, every day counts in the kingdom of God. Because a life following Jesus a life telling the world that God is proud of them, God God is proud of the queer, it leads to alienation. I don't often wear my collar walking around. It's only on big, special, high liturgical days like today that I do, because I know when I'm on the CTA, I get some side-eye glances, and then I also get the annoying person stopping to tell me all their deepest, darkest secrets when I'm just trying to read my book. Or I know that people are gonna start cussing way more to try and tell me that they're cool when I just wanna say, hey, I'm a sailor after God's own heart too on the high seas and curse a lot. <laughs> but really, when you wear the, the God is proud of you t-shirt, when you proclaim that you are a Christian in this world, we are reminded from Jesus that foxes and birds find rest, but the fabulous freaking son of God struggles to find a place to sleep at night. Indeed, no one in the Samaritan village would host him. So if you're going out into the streets or going out into the world, be a follower of Jesus, you should be prepared to feel a little bit weird, a little bit outcast, a little bit alienated and misinterpreted and misunderstood. You'll become as one of those who mentions faith on a date and someone gives you that look like, oh no, what did I get into? You'll become known as that person at family gatherings who then like bums the party out because you keeps telling your cousin to knock it off with those horrible comments. You will be caught caring for the queer because God cares about who God has created and caring is a slippery slope. We start to realize every moment counts because every person counts because every person deserves to know the reality of God's love and mercy and justice and caring is weird and will get you pushed aside you have to be warned that following Jesus means radical commitment to speaking up and speaking out. The dead must bury their own dead because there are already people who are dying. There are people who are dying from aids related diseases and illnesses because they can't afford to get a hold of PrEP, let alone know that PrEP exists. There are those who need help more so, more, there are more people who need help with their own burial. So we wanna create systems to help those and then even prevent more death is what we are called to do as Christians. We wanna create systems and structures and every moment counts for all these systems and structures because we live with a threat of gun violence and we live in in the anxiety of just going to clubs and movie theaters and concerts, but also just walking down the street Every moment counts when veterans return from the harsh and painful realities of war only to be denied access to healthcare and meaningful employment, leading to their lack of resources and death. The dead must bury their own because people are suffering from mental illness without an advocate to remove the stigma of medication or treatment or simply living a life when life feels hard. So every moment counts Being human means every moment counts. Every moment counts when migrant children are separated from their loved ones and go without proper care because every moment counts to that child. Following Jesus means radical acceptance. It means that you don't have time to look back. Jesus says, You don't have time to look back. You don't have time to second guess if God is proud of you, to wonder if the truth that God says about you is real, to second guess the power of your testimony and whether uh, your willingness to share honorably and vulnerably and honestly. The stars I have to tell you will never align for the perfect time for you to share your testimony, to extend the perfect invitation for people to come to church. There will never be a really opportune moment to perfectly rebuke the hater who spouts the truth of God with a capital T while offering the love of God with a capital L-O-V-E. You will never have the perfect thing to say or the perfect time or place to say it, it'll always be by email and the person will always use the caps lock button. There's never a perfect situation and you will never have all of your stuff together. But it means you have radical acceptance following a life of Jesus and there's time, you must do it now. So if you're waiting for the perfect moment to proclaim justice or the perfect moment to believe that you are worthy of God's favor, Now is that perfect moment because every moment counts, because every person counts, because you count. There is little time to feel uncomfortable with speaking up or going out and sharing. There's little time for you to waffle back and forth. I'm so sorry about what it is you'll say or how you'll say it or worried that you'll sound eloquent or smart or have all the Bible verses in your back pocket. There is no more time to deny God's acceptance, but accept that you are fully qualified and fully called. So don't look back. Don't question whether God's love for you is real because it is and others need you to embody that love so they can believe it is true for themselves someday, some moment, sometime soon. So whether you're marching in the pride parade today or marching to your next commitment or marching home to rest, remember today. While today is a joyous day, we remember that for some in our past, tomorrow was today that we remember today represents those who fought for LGBTQ plus ju- justice in 1969, standing in a stonewall bar. But we also remember those who acted up in activism, saying that people with AIDS deserved health care in 1987. We remember those trans folks who set out a rebellion in Compton's cafeteria in 1966. And we remember those who fought for human rights ordinance in the city of Chicago in 19. 88, because it was only since 1998 you could be at work and out and not fear getting fired. 1988, that's younger than I am. (laughs) And so yesterday is basically today. There's no time to wait for tomorrow. Every moment counts that we get the chance to share the good news of God. It was only just yesterday in 1963 when Martin Luther King said, we are faced with a fact that tomorrow is already today. And I would say he probably means what we hope for cannot wait until tomorrow because it is deserved and needed today. Martin said, we are confronted with a fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is such a thing as being too late. So there is no time for apathy or complacency. And then I would add, there's no time for judgment or self-doubt or fear. It is a time for vigorous and positive action. So every moment counts because every person counts. That means you count, you matter. And God is counting on you to go and share that message with a world that needs to hear it. Will you pray with me? God, this moment is so precious because we are not guaranteed the next moment. And yet, God, you have given it. And so we feel called to share with others the good news that you have shared with us, that you are proud of what you have created that your love abounds and that there is enough for all. And so God, we go forth from this place prepared to share, prepared to stand up and speak up, prepared to smile and high five and wave, but also prepared to invite and welcome and celebrate. And so God, we share of our bodies and of our brains and our minds and our hearts with a world that deserves to hear from you. Every moment counts. Give us the courage to embrace this moment and share your good news. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.